This is Recruiting Daily's Recruiting Live Podcast. Live from Sherman Talent. Real talk about talent acquisition, recruiting, sourcing, and hiring. Are you in talent acquisition? Then listen up, because we're about to blow Blow your your mind. mind. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today, we have Karina on from UKG, and we'll be talking about three things. A, her and UKG. One... Uh, two, we'll be talking about she's speaking at Sherm Talent, and we'll talk about her, a little bit about her session. And three, what she's learned through this pandemic, the last two years of the pandemic, at least. So, without any further ado, Karina, a introduce yourself and UKG. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity, William. Sure. It's great to be speaking with you today. Hundred percent. So, my name is Karina Monison, and I am the senior manager of Human Insights Research at UKG. So in my role, I'm responsible for leading a lot of our thought leadership research. So we do quite a bit of primary research at UKG. We also do a lot of secondary research. And we really pay attention to the major trends that are impacting the industry so that we can help our prospects and customers kind of adjust to the world of work. I hate to be so cliche, but the future of work keeps changing. And so really just trying to be an eye to the future and to make sure that our products and our best practices and thought leadership represent that to help kind of herald and shepherd our customers through that. I love that. First of all, I love, love that y'all have, uh, you care so much about creating research for practitioners that you actually do it. You know, you could easily obviously go and hire, uh, some of the analyst firms and some of their research and stuff like that, but you do it yourself. Uh, which is messy. I've done a lot of research, and um, it's it's not as easy as people would like to think, especially primary research. Um, and so, I love that y'all are doing that. Did you did you were you were did you come through when UKG came together? Because UKG is the ultimate Kronos group. Uh, were you uh, with you ultimate or Kronos? So I was with Ultimate Software. I, I yeah. started with the company back in 2016, and so it's really been. A beautiful journey to oh, see yeah. how much Ultimate Software grew through the tenure that I was there, and then to witness the merger, which it, uh, you know we call it a merger like no other, and it certainly was. I think we announced our merger a couple of days before <laughs> the quarantine was announced, and so it was really quite a bit of change, a quite a bit of transformation. I personally switched roles during that time frame and joined a completely new team and a completely new role, so it was really a rebirth of sorts. But it has been really beautiful, and I'm very proud of how we've managed to bring the best of both companies together, the best of our products together. And, um, you know, it's really just been an incredible experience all around. So I was at because Connections, and uh, so, uh, but it was, an, it was the analyst part. So what was really interesting, it was, it was just a few days after, we were still traveling, it was either January or February, early February, but. Uh, we were still traveling, but there was a lot of hand sanitizer. So there was a fear, but not that much of a fear because it hadn't hit us yet, mm-hmm. right? And what I loved about that is both companies are well-run, well-respected, best places to work, all that, you know, greatest places to work, all that, all that type of stuff. And not just in lip service, but in actual, they actually care about their employees, they, uh, truly care. And what I loved is the, you know, the, the management teams from both groups, get up in front of all these analysts, which is usually 
fairly intimidating or can be intimidating. And they just said, yeah, we have no idea. Like, like that, that was actually kind of the general. I remember Aaron just kind of like, hey, you know what? Here's the deal. We got a, almost a $2 billion firm and a $2 billion firm. And we, don't, we overlap a little bit. And if we do nothing but just bring the synergies of selling to each other and, and unifying our platforms, we'll be, we'll be fine. And that's abnormal for a lot of analyst uh, meetings because normally uh, the management teams have all the answers. Whereas in this particular case, they're like, yeah, we don't have all the answers, but we have a lot of really smart people and we'll figure it out. So I love that. I love that. What was the job that you were doing before you did this one? So I was managing our influencer relations team. I also managed our webcast program, our corporate blog, and I was also a supporting writer for several of our executives. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. Well, I like the job you're doing now. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's been really amazing because I get to, to really write for myself now and hone in on the research that our team feels is most impactful. And I really feel grateful to get to do what I love to do every single day because to me, research and data and the metrics they tell stories and I love being able to look at what the data is telling us because sometimes we have hypotheses going into it and the research completely supports that right. but then sometimes it's not at all what we expected and those are almost even more exciting for me at that point because it's like okay well well what is this really telling us and then remembering that every single stat there isn't just a number it's a person it's a group of people and it's it's very real. It's what, what we are all dealing with today collectively. And, um, you know, who we are today is a lot different than who we were two years ago. Yeah, true that. Um, so in case folks don't know UKG, how do you all position UKG currently? So we are a, a workforce technology solutions provider. And so we provide both HCM and, um, you know, human capital management and other HR software. And what really sets us apart in the market is that we are focused on life work technology. And so our solutions are really unique in the market in that we are focusing on really supporting people through every step of their life. And we recognize that work is really just a small portion of who people are. And I think, I know we're going to talk about the pandemic here in a minute, but I think the pandemic really helped solidify that in our minds and, and for all of us we, we changed how we feel about work we changed about the position that we wanted to take in our lives and so what I think is really fantastic is that we had actually started creating this positioning around life work technology in late 2019 early 2020 and so it was almost ahead of its time uh, the solution was already being crafted before the uh, the pandemic hit but it really just I think that also proves that this isn't just about lip service to what's happening in the world today. This is truly in the DNA of our organization, that we really care about helping our customers take better care of their people, and our solutions are uniquely designed to do that in a multitude of ways. 100%. And, and, and the history of both firms, and now the one firm, proves that out. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about your session at Sherm Talent. So we are going to be talking about pay equity, uh, specifically, okay. <laughs> specifically, you know, men and women. You know, 
Just small just, things like that. Yeah, a really tiny thing that probably uh, probably not going to create any controversy whatsoever. Yeah. No, if we're not creating a little bit of controversy, we're probably not taking a stand on much of anything. There's, 100%. There's nothing that you can say that would make everyone happy these days. And we're not here to just make everyone happy. We're right. here to shed light onto some very real inequities that are impacting quite a few people of our workforce. Right. So I think probably the biggest takeaway that I found in doing this research was actually that we keep talking about the gender pay gap. Right. And the gender pay gap has... 71 cents per dollar, blah, blah, blah. It's actually gone up significantly in the last couple of years, which is great news. So now it's at 82 cents per dollar, which is great. But... Um, like we should be proud of that. Right, yeah. exactly. But... The thing that was really most shocking to me when I started diving into the research is that we keep talking about this as a gender pay gap, and there certainly are many aspects that are directly related to gender. But what I found in the research was actually that this is better classified as a motherhood gap more, more often than not. And so if you look at the data, there is a direct and significant in, uh, loss of earning potential that happens just before a woman has her first child. Right. And it's very challenging for her to ever recoup that and grow back. And that same type of phenomenon is not witnessed in their male partners. And if you look at the earning trajectories of childless women versus women who have children and then men, it's actually oftentimes seen that the childless women can even earn more than men, which is likely due to the fact that they are a lot more likely to pursue advanced degrees. Right. So it really isn't just a gender gap. Yeah. It's a, it's more nuanced than that. It's a motherhood gap. And so what that really said to me was we need to figure out why having a child so disproportionately impacts women as opposed to men. And there are so many different areas that once I started diving in became very, very clear. And so workforce participation rates are a huge part of that. A lot of women take time off after their children are born. There's a lot of reasons for that. Um, But one that I don't think is discussed quite frequently enough is the fact that childcare is prohibitively expensive for a lot of women. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's it's almost easier uh, for a lot of couples when they have children. Someone's going to stay home, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because you've done the cost-benefit analysis, like, okay, we can pay someone else to watch our child. Or one of us can watch our child, mm-hmm. and okay, well, the money is the same. Right. But that's that's again to your point, nuance. It's the money is the same now, but if we've lost that potential, three, five, ten years from now, we've lost that potential. Exactly. So making childcare affordable, or maybe businesses uh, helping out, and and so that childcare is available, right. either at the office or available elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those are those are two primary strategies that businesses can employ in order to kind of hold on to their talent when they're going through this very challenging and difficult transition into becoming a parent. Um, I did the math and right now I have a one and a half year old and a seven year old. So I don't even have two children that require full-time care because my oldest is in school part of the day. And even so someone would have to be making the equivalent of $15 an hour after tax just to break even oh, yeah. in the amount that I'm paying in childcare right now in South Florida. And so it, it really is shocking when you start thinking about it that way. But like you said, taking that time off makes it very, very challenging to reenter the workforce. Right. And so we, I think, definitely need to be looking at number one, making it so that childcare isn't so prohibitively expensive by either offering childcare stipends or health, you know, having on-site childcare, like you mentioned, or 
expert and we also need to be kind of breaking down this bias of having a career gap right. and really be be investing in bringing working women back into the workforce after their children are ready to go to school. Yeah, when they want to come back, but it's it's almost it's it's almost like we need to do a better job of not just accepting them when they come back. That's the the gap, the bias around the work gap. Um, which in this talent marketplace or in this talent shortage, I'm not sure as many recruiters would care about the gap as much. So that's good, yes. but the bias is still real. And uh, and so I think one of the things that, that uh, when I look at the is we're punishing women, disproportionately we're punishing women for having children. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's like, well, that's just dumb. I mean, just, just <laughs> <laughs> let's just... Let's just call that stupid. I mean, because that's just dumb. And, and, and again, once people know that, comp people have known this for years. Like, this isn't news. When you talk to comp professionals, like, they know this. They, they've known this for a long time. But I like the way that you're, 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 you're making it. It isn't just about gender. Well, pay equity is, isn't just gender. We know that. There's, there's all kinds of pay, pay, pay equity issues. Uh, but one of the things that really, really wrapped me around the axle uh, it was it was at the end of the first year of the pandemic. Women stood up and kind of kind of rose to the occasion disproportionately. And at the end of the year, I don't know if you remember, at the end of the year of 2020, there was massive layoffs. Those massive layoffs were disproportionately women and disproportionately women of color. Yes. It's like, can can someone not look at a dashboard like and see? <laughs> Who's manning the wheel? Like, what, what? How do you not look at the wheel and know that, like, you, you care about diversity on one side, and then all of a sudden you're disproportionately laying off people of you know, women of color? This is, just doesn't make sense. So, first of all, that's going to be a fantastic session. And you're right. If you're not, if you're not pushing a little bit, you're not, you're not trying. So, it's something as important as pay equity. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the pandemic. What did you learn about yourself, learn about UKG, learn about work? What did you learn So in the two years? We're still, yeah. <laughs> in the two years, I think, so like I said, I have a one-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Yep. So I was about 20 weeks pregnant when the pandemic really took hold in the U.S. Good time to be pregnant. Yep. It, was, yep. uh, it was a very challenging time in my life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because that would have been early where you couldn't have visitors. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it, when I think about that time frame, it was interesting because when it first happened, when we first announced everyone's going to be working from home and we pulled my older daughter from daycare, I was actually kind of excited. And I was like, I don't have to commute two hours a day. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. I get to spend all of this precious time with my daughter before we bring another one into the world. And I was almost looking at it as like, this is going to be fantastic. And I very quickly realized that asking me or expecting myself to be a full-time employee, a full-time caregiver, a full-time teacher was asking an impossible oh, yeah. request. It's an unwinnable game. It was an unwinnable game for a lot of parents it truly and a lot was. of women in particular. Yes, it, 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 was, um, it was very eye-opening to me and it really forced me to question some of the beliefs that I had about myself as a mother because not to be, um, it, this sounds terrible and people probably judge me, but I mean, not those who lived it. I think about that time and I think about me basically shoving her in front of a TV, yep. giving her endless amounts of junk food and oh, yeah. saying, please do not bother me. Yeah. 
I have an important meeting. I have to oh, do yeah. this. Like, just leave me alone. You weren't alone. And, um, and that's not the type of mother that I want to be. Mm-hmm. And it was a really humbling lesson to learn that I'm a better mother when I'm not doing it 24 hours a day, that having the support of childcare to, and also having the ability to, to fully focus on my dreams and fully focus on my career. Like that's something that, that brings me quite a bit of joy that I don't think I fully appreciated before the pandemic because I'd always even fantasized about being a stay-at-home mom. Right. I'd fantasized about homeschooling. And then right. when it was suddenly came to fruition, I was like, I'm losing my mind. I can't oh, do yeah. this. I'm not strong enough. And part of that, I'm sure, was that I was working full-time in the midst of it. Well, I would, I'd correct you just a little. I don't know if, it was, if you were strong enough. You didn't have the tra- None of us had the training. Right. Right. Like I, my wife and I both have advanced degrees, and like, the, you know, we weren't ready for any of that stuff. So I, I don't think it has anything to do with strength or any of that stuff. I think just we were all thrown in into situations of n- not just carrying one bucket of water, we're going to go ahead and carry four buckets of water. Right. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> and oh, by the way, there's chaos. There's all this chaos in the company. There's chaos in the, in the economy. There's chaos in everything else. And oh, by the way, you got to be a great parent. Right, yeah, right. Good luck with that. Thank you. Yeah, and for a, quite a bit of it, we didn't know whether my husband was even going to be able to be in the delivery room with me. So there was yep. all of those stresses. I w- it was a very high-risk pregnancy. So there was a lot of things going on. But I will say um, what I learned about UKG was equally important during this time frame because I was struggling. There's no doubt about that. Right. But I was incredibly supported at every step of the journey by my company, and my boss never let me forget in no uncertain terms that me and my family was the number one priority here and really was gave me so much flexibility and so much autonomy and so much understanding. He really treated me with complete humanity, and I don't think that I could have survived that time period, certainly not held a job during that time period if I did not have that support. And UKG rolled out all of these initiatives to support working parents during that time. There was a kids club box that we all got that was filled with different art supplies. And every single day they had different virtual activities for them. I mean, they completely rolled out the red carpet to do everything that they feasibly could to support us during that time. So that truly helped me have a lot more faith in this new company because again, it was new leadership for me in a lot of ways. It was a merger. I did not know everyone that I knew was telling me mergers are always terrible. You can Mm -hmm. say goodbye to your benefits. You can say goodbye to everything. Not this one. Not this one. And that was the other thing too. We're in this huge economic turmoil and it would have been very easy for them to say, you know what? It's a very uncertain economic climate. We need to roll back our benefits temporarily. We need to make these different changes and I think we all would have understand with the fact that they never once did that, that they held on to the benefits that have truly made a life-changing impact in my own family. Um, I mean, our daughter was born through IVF, and our retirement matches have completely changed my family's financial future. There are very, very meaningful life-changing impacts that our benefits have given to me and my family. And so the fact that those were never once questioned really proved in the middle of a pandemic yep. proved to me everything that I needed to know about Aaron Ain, mm-hmm. about the future of UKG and the fact that our purpose really is people. And that's not just a tagline. Drops my walks off stage. <laughs> Karina, thank you so much for carving out time for us today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It's wonderful to speak with you as always. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the recruiting daily podcast until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. 
Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.